0: to many people over the years about the need for Jesus Christ in their lives. One counter-argument, though, regularly comes up. People who do not understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to be reconciled with God speak of this particular way too often.
1: I've met paramedics, I've met firefighters, I've met policemen,
0: and many others who all say something similar. And I know many of you have heard this story, so you're going to resonate with something like this. I have saved people's lives. Or I've done this, or I've done that good deed. Surely that is enough to get me to heaven and be made right with God. Sure, I'm not perfect, they say, but who is? I don't kill anybody. same category as those kinds of people, I say to myself, I don't bother anyone. How many of you have heard arguments like that? Just about everybody, so it's pretty regular. No matter where you go or what you do, there is better I'm kind of loud but my apology faith and acceptance of Jesus as Savior is the only way now we're going to look at another story the Galatians failed to understand this so Paul rebuked them rather harshly because these are eternal matters we've lost the importance of a harsh rebuke in our society today anybody else think so Shouldn't we sternly redirect our brothers and sisters back to Christ if they stray? Listen to Paul's words. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law? In other words, did you receive the Spirit of God by something that you did? Or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish after beginning with the Spirit Are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? I love a good harsh rebuke if it brings the sheep back into the fold. Listen to some of the roles of a shepherd taken from Cron's website mixed with some of my own interpretation countered with what Paul's doing. Many shepherds must be on call for their animals around the clock. A shepherd's primary responsibility is the safety and welfare of his sheep. That is exactly what Paul is doing here to the Galatians. Some some flocks may include as many as 1,000 sheep. The shepherd will graze the animals because you must feed them spiritually or physically. In the instance of Paul, they herd them to areas of good forage. And they keep a watchful eye out for poisonous plants. In Paul's case, he was protecting the flock from Satan. In most cases, the shepherd and his dogs, we all need our guard dogs, We'll move the sheep out to fresh grazing each day and bring them back to bed down in the same area each night. So is a harsh rebuke in this instance a bad thing? If it means protecting your sheep? But not all correction needs to be through rebuke. Listen to Paul's instructions. Turn with me to 2 Thessalonians two, thirteen through 17. Now that's 2 Thessalonians. You can follow along with me up here if you like. And forgive me, I had all my places marked. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 13-17 But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word looking at verse 17 may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word there it is again In every good deed, there is this expectation of us that we are called to action in response to our salvation. But we need to be clear that our actions are a response to our faith, to our belief in Jesus Christ. Not your belief in your own good deeds. Not that you saved a life or that you're nice most of the time. Your salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. This is why Paul says, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father encourage your hearts and strengthen you. We've been hitting the service side of things really, really hard. But my fear, though, is that we somehow could misalign the fact that our faith in Christ has supremacy over anything that we do by our hands. Serving others feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good when we go out and we help someone in need, someone less fortunate? Inside, it feels good. But remaining in a continuous relationship with Jesus Christ is what matters the most. And here's why it's so important. I have visited many suffering and dying individuals in the last three months. Brian and I have had a lot of hospital visits. These are people of the faith. Many are older who have spent their lives doing many things in the name of God. This time of transition in your life, when your body's starting to fail, when you're starting to suffer, it's very difficult to deal with personally or when we watch our loved ones go through it. Don't be confused or naive, though, about the reality that we will suffer in this life. It is an unfortunate part of it. And I want to give you a couple warnings like the Apostle Paul, like a shepherd does for his flock for your own protection. Don't fall victim to thinking that you will somehow be spared from suffering in this life because of the things that you've done for God. We all may suffer tremendously before entering eternity with him. But nothing compares to Jesus taking on the sin of the world. It wasn't just the crucifixion. Christ took on the entire weight of the world and the sin in his death for us. All sin ever committed, all sin that ever will be committed. It's pretty hard to fathom, isn't it? To really take that into consideration. But secondly... Don't ever think that there's anything that you can do, any act of service that will help you obtain salvation. My hope this morning, though, is that that has become evident through the scriptures that we have. And some of you are in a good place with that. Some of you understand that very well. But the next time someone comes up to you and starts saying, I've saved someone's life, I've done this, I've done that, you can simply say it doesn't matter without faith in Jesus. Let me show you the way. I've talked about my mom many times in service. I use her as an illustration a lot. Some of you are like, okay, Nick, your mom, we get it. But on uh, March 7th, four days from today will mark the second anniversary of her passing. And I realize that I've never given you guys the opportunity to really meet my mom. So I want to start off with uh, this beautiful woman posing for her high school pictures. that was a woman with a wonderful GPA and a scholarship to go to the U of I in Champaign and pursue her medical degree and being a doctor but she entered parent- her parenthood earlier than expected and decided to move with her husband in the military out to California and raise her boys that's about 12 years before I came into the picture She was strong, she was determined, she was bright-eyed, and she boasted this large contagious smile. You fast forward about 14 years though and you get, you get to meet this woman. You wouldn't know it from the picture, this was at a family reunion, we cropped it out actually for her funeral to have a couple big pictures. But that was at a family reunion where we put her on a chair and she looked like everybody else. But now she was confined to a wheelchair, suffering from multiple sclerosis. I grew up alongside her over the next 25 years and I watched everything in her life fail. Her ability to walk. In the beginning, she could get out of her chair and climb back up and play with me when I was a toddler. Her ability to use the restroom. She eventually had a full-time catheter, which led to many infections, many hospital visits, and complicated the things that she had to deal with. She had these solumedrol treatments pretty regularly over the course of the years, which she would go in for 10 days, have bruises all up and down her arms, and do this intravenous um, treatment. Never was to help her get any better. It was just hopefully to keep her from getting any worse. Her smile, after years of her debilitating disease, she lost her smile. She lost her ability to stay at home. At 50, she went to the nursing home full time and was the youngest person there by about 20 years, which remained consistent over the next 10 years before her passing. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Tropicana Tropicana commercial where they stick the straw in the orange. Well, that's essentially a procedure she had to have with her kidney. This is the way the doctor explained it to us. He would go in, stick it in, and remove hundreds of infection-based kidney stones that all piled up at the bottom. And she had that surgery twice. Her mobility. In the beginning, when she was in a wheelchair, her legs looked normal, they just didn't function but by the end of her disease her legs were completely locked up underneath of her and you couldn't stretch them out. She had a severe bed sore on her tailbone and they didn't realize for over a year that she'd somehow fractured her shoulder. So every time they'd move her off her tailbone they'd move her onto her broken shoulder. Her sense of humor and her witty mind were one of the last things to go, and finally she lost her life. But the one thing that my mother never lost was her faith in Jesus Christ as her Savior. Her prayer life and attitude toward God was remarkable. But I want to ask you a question. Will you have to lose that much to have that kind of relationship with Jesus Christ because she firmly believed that her disease is what it took to keep her in her relationship with Jesus. She told me driving home, the only time she ever heard an audible voice from God crying, driving down Route 54 in tears because of her diagnosis, that she heard an audible voice from God say, I did it because I didn't want to lose you. And the one thing that she left this life with was her faith in Jesus Christ. This is the memorial from her funeral. I keep it in my car. As two years go by, you look at it less and less and a little less frequently. But I had the privilege of getting to pick out the scripture that best summed up and probably defined what I felt her life and faith represented. And that same scripture, everything that we've been talking about this morning, from service to faith, how they interact and correspond, is summed up perfectly in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. If you want to turn there with me, you can follow along up here. We're going to be in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Paul says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, not our works, not our deeds, not our actions, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, Not only so, we also rejoice in our sufferings. Not just deal with our sufferings. We rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he's given us. You see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For each and every one of you. For your grandkids, for your children, for your husband, for your wife, for your aunt, for your uncle. For every single one of them. It doesn't matter what you do in this life besides you putting your faith in Jesus. No action, no deed will earn you anything in the kingdom of God in terms of your salvation. We can't consider ourselves spared from the suffering because of what we just learned. Suffering leads to hope, and we are to rejoice in it. My mother hoped that she would be with Jesus someday, and she staked her life on seeing that happen. She was a diligent prayer warrior. She prayed for me for years, and as a gigantic knucklehead in my teenage life with no integrity— I am a minister of Christ because of this because of the people and the influence in my life and because of the redemptive nature of Jesus Christ. My wife has taught me so much but first I want to ask you something. What does your relationship look like with Jesus this morning? Is he something you only hear about on Sunday mornings when we come together? Do you ever open your Bibles and pray throughout the week? Do you share it with other people? Because our relationship with Jesus is meant to be just that. A relationship. And my wife has taught me so much. Through the good, through the bad, through the ugly, through all of it. Jesus, take the wheel! That's my rendition of singing. I hope she doesn't like just let Jesus take the wheel. She's kind of crazy. I'm glad she's not in here today so I can say that. Oh, she can hear me, even great. But again, I have another relative in here from her side, so I'm doomed. Pray for me if you would. Satan wants us to think God is not real and that a relationship with him doesn't matter. Go buy your fancy stuff. Go spend your time doing this or doing that. You don't need to spend time with Jesus. The Bible is just a works created by men. It has no divine authority over my life. But I'm here to tell you that when you start to suffer, as most of us will, if not all of us, and if you're not already there, without that relationship with God, you will question him. When you lose someone that's close to you or you're watching someone special suffer, will you blame God? As life starts to slow down and our bodies begin to give way to aging will jesus remain your top priority isn't it ironic that our faith doesn't require us to do anything physically we don't have to do anything but put our faith in jesus christ to be saved we simply must persevere i say simply but it's one of the most difficult things we'll ever do Persevere and maintain the course until we are united with all that have gone before us and with Jesus Christ again someday. No pain, no suffering, no hurt. That's a place I want to be. Anybody else? Show of hands? One or two of you? Hold on to your relationship with Christ as if it is the most precious possession you have. Because it is. Let those words sink, let these words sink in a little bit. If you're with me this morning and you don't mind, sit back, close your eyes for a second. and I want you to listen to what the Hebrew author had to say to you this morning. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hebrews 12:1 through3. Service is not your ticket to salvation. Service will not spare you from suffering in this life. Service is, however, a response to the salvation we have been given through our faith in Jesus Christ. And at the end of the day, that faith may be the only thing that you have left when you leave this life. I don't want you guys to be mistaken about the message we've been preaching about serving others it is critical as a response to our faith but our faith is precisely what determines your eternal resting place let's pray almighty god i want to thank you this morning for a witness a testimony your word i want to thank you for your truth father You're a wonderful God who loves us and wants to be in relationship with us in the morning, at lunch, at night, in the good, in the bad, and everywhere in between. But we have a choice to make. That choice is to follow you, is to commit ourselves to you, and to not let the world entangle and ensnare us in sin. So I'm asking a call to the heart of those who hear this message, Father. I'm asking that you place a love for Jesus Christ on it that's deeper than they've ever felt before and that they leave today changed, forever changed by how powerful of a relationship and the faith that we can have in your son and what that means for each and every one of us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.